I'm pleased to introduce today's guest, Chris Beal of Connect and Sell. If you're not familiar with Connect and Sell, I highly recommend looking into the solution. Uh, at the high level, it helps reps streamline their cold calling, be more productive, and ultimately drive more revenue. Chris goes into a lot more detail around how it works and how it can be implemented. Chris and I spent a lot of time today talking about some of the tips and tricks that sellers can use as they're making their day-to-day -day cold calls. One big takeaway that I have that Chris pointed out was be focused on not trying to sell the full breadth of your solution on that first call. You really only have a couple of seconds to get the attention of your, your prospect. And so you don't want to try to overwhelm them with all of the different talking points around your product or solution, but rather just focus on selling to the next step. In many cases, that's just an intro or an overview call, possibly a demo call, but that's really the focus of every cold call is just getting that next step and scheduling that next meeting. I'm very excited for the conversation and to share that with you. So with that, welcome Chris to the podcast. Awesome. Well, Chris, uh, it's been a long time coming and I'm, I've been very aware of, of who you are and, and who Connect and Sell is for a long time, but I'm very excited to have you on the show today. Oh, it's great to be here. This is, this is something, Jesse. Who knew it? we could finally make it happen, huh? Yeah. And the first thing I want to ask about, I'm, I'm looking at your LinkedIn profile right now, and I'm, I recognize a couple of the schools uh, on, your, on your CV here. I'm a Sun Devil myself and born and raised here in the area, in the, in the East Valley Mesa area. And if I'm not mistaken, it looks like you might be from Arizona as well. Yeah, I grew up out in North Scottsdale, but you've got to imagine North Scottsdale in 1957. Wow, so, uh, that was the that was the world I grew up in. So, you know, we had roads. Um, it was sort of you could even kind of have a bicycle if you were tolerant, but it was pretty much horse country. And um, so, I was raised with animals and books, and not an awful lot of people. So, my father grew up in Scottsdale uh, for the most part. He was born in San Francisco, but his family came out to Scottsdale pretty early on. And he used to talk about how where Fashion Square Mall is. He used to ride his dirt bike. This is this would have been like 1973 or something like that, but uh, it's hard to believe that not that long ago, in the big scheme of things, it was just desert and there was not you know the Scottsdale or the the Metro Phoenix as it is today. Oh, there wasn't at all. I mean, Scottsdale was the west most western town. We always were in the Parada del Sol, you know, riding our horses and no motorized <laughs> uh, conveyances allowed in that parade. I, I don't know if they still do that or not, but that's what it was like. So, I'm and I still sure got either. stuff going on there. Uh, my, my sister uh, who's also my PR person, Shelly, you met her. Uh, she lives in my parents' uh, home, you know, when they were alive, way out in Ahwatukee. So okay. anyway, it's a, yeah, I'm a desert rat and just bought a place with my fiance down in Tucson. So what nice. can I say? So I'm here now too. I was actually, I was in Austin for about a decade. So, and, that, and that's where I first heard about Connect and Sell was I was working at a startup out in Austin. And then last year, kind of right in the middle of the pandemic, my wife and I decided we're both from here uh, and had been in Austin for, again, the better part of the last decade and decided to come back. We missed the desert a little bit. So we bought a house out here, not too far from Ahwatukee. We're out in the Gilbert area and uh, we're, we're enjoying being back. I don't know if we're here forever. Uh, it's a big country. There's tons of opportunity out there. But at the very least, right now, we're close to family and, and enjoying being in the desert again. Yeah, I, I like having a place in the desert. I didn't know it would ever happen, but we just bought one in February down, down in Green Valley. So we got that and in sharp contrast up here in Port Townsend, Washington, where oh. looking out the window right now, I can see Victoria, British Columbia over a little island that protects our bay. Oh, that's a great area too. That that's what that's that's the next thing for me is I need to get a property that's up in some greenery. That way I can have that balance because being in the desert too long will will mess with you. But uh, it sounds like you got the best of both worlds. So yeah, well, you it, get old. You you figure you figure stuff out when you get old. <laughs> so so how does a guy from from the middle of the desert uh, in, in Arizona in the Southwest? land is land in the, the tech business and, and, you know, ultimately become the CEO of, of, a, of a company. Tell me about that journey. Well, I was uh, kind of an unusual kid, I guess. Um, you know, I was, I liked sports a lot. I did a lot of different stuff like that, but I was also a, a kind of a math guy and I ended up 
going off and getting a degree ultimately after stints as a professional gambler and uh, rock climbing, mountaineering all over the country and stuff. Somewhere in there, I finally got a degree in physics and education. It was kind of a combo. That's what I finished up at Arizona State with and needed a job, obviously. Um, was recruited to do some interesting things like to run the Maison Physics Lab at Los Alamos National Laboratory. But I decided, I don't know, I was attracted towards kind of commercial stuff. I was actually attracted to education, but my mm -hmm. high school physics teacher at Soro High talked me out of it. And so uh, yeah, I thought, well, what do I know how to do that I can get into and, and you know, just kind of swim around and see what's up? And computer programming was real natural for me. So I started programming in 68. 1968, not wow. at the age of 68. And uh, yeah, on a, on, a, on a computer in Teaneck, New Jersey that we could access through a teletype and telephone from, from Saguaro High and Scottsdale, same computer wow. Bill Gates used to use apparently. And so, you know, it was, nat it was so natural. I just, I joined up with NCR back in 79, took me forever to get through school. And um, you know, I started noticing something really quick, which was I would take care of a customer or I'd build some software thing or other, and the reps never seemed to be able to sell it as well as I could. So hmm. I just started selling my own stuff. And then one thing led to another, went to Martin Marietta and ran software education and training there, went to Bell Labs, developed the Unix and C curriculum there. I then started doing startups. And the thing I loved about it was I could be the CTO, but I could also go out and make the sales. And I think that for me was very balanced. Like you were talking about the desert and, you know, and the greenery, right? Yeah. Uh, the, you know, working in, uh, working in tech to build stuff is kind of like living in the desert. There's not a lot to look at. You're looking at the code. Uh, but going out and selling is like the in, in the beautiful, you know, in the beautiful forest. There's so much to look at and think about. But after a while, you start to feel a little damp, you know, you want to dry out. So it, it was always kind of a balanced lifestyle for me. And it just grew on itself. So there you go. Wow. That, I mean, the, the juxtaposition to be able to, to both build things and sell them, it's very rare. I don't, I can't think of very many people that I've encountered in my career that can do both well. Uh, I, I can think of a few, but not very many. It's definitely not the rule. It's the exception. So that's very cool that you're able to, to think more technically, but also, you know, get out and in an articulate way, present that to the end user or the customer, uh, you know, in a way that, that encouraged them to, to purchase. Very, very cool. So connect yeah, yourself. It's a little different. Um, oh, it's, oh, I'm sorry. Well, it's different. It's a convenience in a way, right? I think I actually think there's a lot of really, really good sales talent that's hiding in the technical world, but nobody mm -hmm. ever pulls them out and trains them and says, hey, this is this is good. You know, this is fun. This lets you it lets you see your creation in its actual form being used, not just like you built it and somebody else sells it. When you sell it, you're part of how it comes to life. And it's a lot more fun. Yeah, I agree with that. There, there's been a lot of really great technical folks that I've worked with over the years, especially in earlier stage startups that never get to see the end use case or the rollout of the deployment in a way that they really can visualize or at least see in action their, their work. Uh, and then also tying in the business value too. So that, that, and that's a missed opportunity because I know a lot of great engineers who have no idea that this feature that they build is driving XYZ amount of revenue for a, an enterprise or a large organization. And I think that's, uh, again, a travesty that that's not more, uh, you know, embedded in the, in the culture. And like you said, more, not nurtured more in, in, especially a startup environment. Absolutely. You know, today I had the pleasure, I, I was a little late for us talking because I was on with some folks who are doing a test drive of connect and sell and I still sell on the front lines. I don't just mm -hmm. pick off the, the, you know, big deals or whatever. I know some CEOs, they like to kind of stay away from that. I look at it right. the other way. It's a great way to get information to know what's going on and also to know what are your sellers having to put up with because yeah. stuff, really bad stuff accretes in companies, policies and systems you have to update and all this stuff turns you into a data entry clerk instead of a salesperson. And so, you know, I figure you stay on the front lines and you experience that stuff and it makes you mad and, you know, that's great. You kind of fix it up, but it, also you get to hear stuff like, 
the one of the of the three owners of this company we were working with today we do this thing called an intensive test drive free day of production and oh. i got on with him and the executive briefing said what do you think and he said i talked to somebody i've been trying to reach for five years <laughs> wow in one day in it well, in um, in one push of a button actually is the first person wow. to talk to but but it's like you know that is gratifying and satisfying when you build something and you you know you're immersed in that side of it and you're thinking you know what the value is and then it's like oh well here's this other piece of value which is you know you can get a hold of people i mean i've now seen it for a while but it's mm -hmm. not just numbers it's the surprise of somebody you've been trying to reach for five years it was a current customer he's been trying to reach for five years wow so a really uh, stale customer then uh, an elusive one Interesting. Yeah. So walk us through a little bit. So how did you get the idea for Connect and Sell? And then uh, please, uh, this is something I forgot to mention when we were off air, but I'm all for shameless plugs. They're not you know, shameful at all. Please plug, plug the solution. I'm very familiar with what it is. Unfortunately, I've not ever had a chance to use it in production in any of the, the companies I've worked at, although we've evaluated it a few times. Uh, oddly enough, my wife has. Uh, she's been able to use it in, in a, an environment that she worked in. She was in a business development role for a while at a technology startup out in Austin and uh, used it there. So I unfortunately haven't, even though I've stayed in the tech business longer than she has, she, she dropped out of the business and moved on to the healthcare industry. But uh, I'm curious how you got the idea for it. And then, uh, you know, an overview of how it all works just for, for listeners, because my understanding is it's a really cool technology and a game changer when you're doing outbound prospecting. Yeah, so I didn't come up with it at all. Um, it was actually the invention of, of, of another person. And it was invented like this. This individual was in India and had some people working for him and he wanted to call back to the States. And he had a, a list, you know, we always have a list, right? You never just have one person or it takes a few seconds and then it's over. So he had a list and he said, hey, what if I print the list out into six sub lists tape them down to a table, put a telephone next to each one and get one of my Indian employees to call, navigate the phone system. And if they get the person, but only if they get the person, don't say a word, just hold the phone up over their head and I'll grab it and look to see where their finger is on the list and talk to that person. Wow. That's, that's how it was invented. So, huh. you know, they said, well, obviously you would want to put that into software but with the people still so to speak around the table you know right. think of it as a it's like there's an old far side cartoon i really like that shows two polar bears looking at an igloo and one of them says to the other i love these things crunchy on the outside chewy on the inside you know it's like that's what this thing is like is it's crunchy on the outside it's got technology that does all sorts of really cool stuff but on the inside it has that flexibility and intelligence and ability to interact with gatekeepers and funny phone systems and all that, that only comes from humans. So at this moment, as we speak right now, we've got roughly 600 people who are navigating phone calls on yeah. behalf of other folks out there at this, at this instant, but it's all buffered up with technology and managed in such a way that when you're the user, all mm -hmm. you do is push a button. You just push a button and you wait. And wow. uh, I've got somebody who works for me, her name's Cheryl Turner. And Cheryl, uh, she goes out to the park with her three-year-old mm -hmm. and she talks to, she talks to CEOs while she's got her three-year-old on the swings at the park. Now that's work-life balance right there. That's amazing. Wow. And walk us through again, so how, how does it work? It just, it, so the dials are, are kind of running or do you call them dials or, or it's just sort of automating the, the outbound dialing piece. And then when someone does connect, Cheryl, for example, can can connect with that CEO and start having a dialogue uh, and, and, you know, give her elevator pitch or, or whatever. Is that how it works? Yep. Yeah. So Cheryl, what Cheryl does is, you know, she pushes her, her daughter on the swings. Hits, she hits the button. That's what we call it. You know, hit, press the button. Press the button. Okay. And so it's just one button. It's, it, the button's just like calling an Uber. There's not much to it, right? It's, here's the button. And uh, so she's loaded, she, what she's done is she's loaded her list. 
she's dialed into the system that she also uses our mobile app, which is pre-dialed in, but you know, you dial in through any telephone, you're in a conf you're in a conference bridge. There's no one in there. You're all alone. It's quiet, a little creepy. And yeah. uh, you, you pick your list, which your list is normally hooked up to the CRM. So it's some report in Salesforce or Dynamics or whatever, but it could just be a file that you loaded up. And then whenever you want to talk to somebody, you just push the button and you wait. And the mm -hmm. average wait time is just around four minutes, highly variant based on the list. And then at some point, here the system is on the inside, it's out dialing in parallel. But every dial is managed by an expert, a dial navigation expert. And what okay. that person does is they work that dial, the dial by name directory, the IVR tree, uh, the gatekeeper, they ask for a transfer. They do everything you would have to do, but they're doing it in the background four or five, six at a time. So now you've wow. got the speed of parallel dialing, but you have the flexibility and intelligence of humans taking care of stuff. Then say I'm on your list, right? So I, mm -hmm. you have a list of, I don't know what, two people, 50 people, a thousand people, whatever. Say I'm, yeah. I'm on your list and I'm the lucky, I'm the lucky victim, right? I'm the one who answers. <laughs> so, yep. so I, I, I answer, this is Chris, and this is what's amazing, right? I see a phone number I don't recognize. For whatever reason, I want to answer it because it's whatever. I don't, Who knows why, right? Why did that guy <laughs> that this person was trying to reach for five years answer? Who knows, but they answer. Right. So wow. I answer, this is Chris, and the next thing I hear is you because you get a beep in your ear, bloop, Mm -hmm. And it pops up on the screen. It says Chris Beal, CEO, Connect and Sell. And maybe some notes from our last conversation, like a little teleprompter, because we talked before, or maybe it's a cold call. And it's just, what are you going to say? And so yeah. say it's a cold call, you're going to say something to me. Like, hey, Chris, uh, Jesse here. Hey, I know I'm in an interruption. Can I have 27 seconds to tell you why I called? And I'm going to go, sure, go ahead. And then uh -huh. you're going to say, well, you know, whatever you're going to say. Right? Wow. That is really cool. What, uh, do you guys do any kind of training or enablement to, to teams that are rolling it out? Is that, is that part of the implementation process is training? I'm, I'm just trying to think through, uh, once upon a time, I helped a, a big technology firm in the Bay area build out a, a sales development team. And a lot of the folks that, which also comprise a lot of my listeners are folks that are new to the industry reps that maybe are a year or two out of school they're, they're in their first sales job and they're new to the concept of cold calling. What, uh, what training do you guys offer and what advice could you give someone who's new to cold calling who might be using a tool like Connect and Sell uh, or, or not using a tool like Connect and Sell to, to make sure that they sound polished and scripted and that the cold call is a successful one or as successful as it can be? Anything there? Sure. So, Here's the, here's the cheap way to do it. You go to the Connect and Sell blog and somewhere in there, there is an article. You can Google it up because it's pretty popular actually. And it's called Five Sentences That'll Change Your Life. And it's a two-part series that takes you word by word, tone huh. by tone, how to talk to somebody in a cold call and why you can reliably take somebody from their fear, not your fear, but their fear of you as the invisible stranger instantly to trust in seven seconds. It's a technique that was taught to me by Chris Voss, uh, author of Never Split the Difference, Ooh. the FBI hostage negotiator. Cool. And it's, it's, uh, guaranteed, it's guaranteed to create trust. It does it every time if you do it right, it takes seven seconds. And then from that point, first of all, your mindset is different then because you realize you're the scary person. There's no point <laughs> in being scared because you're the one who's scaring them. You're the invisible right. stranger. And, mm -hmm. it, you know, in the environment of evolution in the village, the invisible stranger is people from across the river and they paint their faces vertically and we're civilized. Right. We paint our faces horizontally, right? <laughs> and, you know, they're really, I mean, the things they do over there, they put a bone in their nose and we know the bone goes in the ears. Everybody knows that. Yeah, exactly. So when they're invisible, yeah. So when they're invisible, it's nighttime. And we don't like that because when people show up at night in our village, you know, they're not bringing us a Bud Light, right? They're here to change the demographics violently. So we don't like that. Well, you are that. When you cold call somebody, you are that invisible stranger. Mm -hmm. And the beauty of it is if you relieve that fear and you show the other person, you see the world through their eyes, and then you demonstrate to them that you're competent to solve a problem right, that they have right now, they will trust you. And the problem they have right now is real simple. 
They want to get away from you. They want to get off that call, but with their self-image intact. Sure. That's it. It's a, mm-hmm. It really learned that. And then the purpose of connecting cells is just to have more conversations. But we teach how to do it because otherwise we're just amplifying suck. That's what, that, that's the concern I, I imagine you guys hear a lot is, well, wait a minute, what if our, our reps aren't good at cold calls? What happens if we, amp- yeah, what happens if we scale that up to a point where there's 600 rings going on in a, in a couple hours, then we're just going to sound awful and unprepared in the market. So it sounds like you guys have a toolkit for, for companies and teams to, to have some frameworks there. I'm a huge fan of Chris Voss, by the way, I, I, I reread his book probably about once a year just to, to remember everything from the calibrated questions to actually how to negotiate with my toddler. So there's a lot of value there. And that's really cool <laughs> that that's really cool that you guys uh, use some stuff out of his playbook. Cause I think it's extremely effective as you're, you're, you know, negotiating, but also for, for the cold calls. Well, yeah, cold call really is the hostage negotiation at the mm-hmm. 1.0 level. Right. I mean, what's happened is you've ambushed somebody, and you're now the hostage taker, but you got to initiate the negotiation to resolve the situation. So it's really, it's a very subtle thing. It's unlike everything else in sales and anything else in sales is the cold call. And it's the most important thing you can possibly do. So, you know, learning to do it's important. And we finally went to the next level. Now, Manny Medina, the CEO founder of Outreach, years ago, he, he took me out, um, plied me with bourbon is all I can say, because I didn't know how to drink bourbon. So he taught me this notion of something called bitters and stuff like that. Oh yeah. And he said, he said, look, Chris, you got to start a, a training company or training division. And I said, well, that I do not want to do that, Manny. That's a terrible idea. And he said, no, you got to do it because the industry is stuck. Our users don't know what to say on the phone. And so, you know, we, we, finally get them that conversation. They don't know what to say. They don't know how to say it. And I know you're an expert on it. So you've got to, you got to do something about it. Well, finally we did. And so we've recently introduced this thing called flight school and flight school is a four session blitz and coach live fire experience where you make money while getting trained. Oh, all right. That's interesting. It's different. So it's live fire. You're talking to real, real prospects. You're getting coached on every conversation. And it's so precise that the first two hours, even though you do the whole conversation, you're setting meetings, doing the whole bit, you get coached on the first seven seconds. That's all. Huh. And and how long does the does the program last or the training? Is it a couple days, a couple weeks? What have you seen? So it's four sessions, two hours each, blitz and coach, tends to run about two weeks, sometimes a little longer. Starts with a messaging workshop. Speaking of Austin, by the way, I had a CEO in Austin. Once I, I do messaging workshops myself, I kind of came up with the idea. And it's about an hour of which a tiny bit is their message. The rest is the psychological framework because that's what really counts. You know, you're, you're learning how to take somebody on a journey, an emotional journey from fear to trust, to curiosity, to commitment, to action, to, take, to attending the meeting. And... So the CEO says, look, I don't want to you know, attend your stupid messaging workshop. That's like, <laughs> you know, my pe- I have people to do that kind of crap. And I said, well, if you don't want to attend, I won't either. It'll be really easy. We'll both save our day. You know, it'll be great. And he says, oh, God, if I have to. And so he, he sits through the messaging workshop. And at the end, I asked him, what do you think? And he said, Chris, I just had my admin buy a plane ticket to come up to Reno and buy you dinner tonight. I'm coming up. All right. When, when we, when we stop recording, I want to know which CEO this was. I don't want you to say it on the air, but, uh, but I'm, I'm really curious. I, I did a lot of networking in Austin. I imagine it's someone I'm aware of at the very least, but that's awesome. Same I'll have day, to go huh? look. At, I'll have to look him up because we do so yeah. many of these. We do like, we do 700 test drives a year. That, that's a full mm. day of like the one we just did, I just got off uh, today. If I were to look at the results, right? This is a little team, very experienced entrepreneurs, really, really something. Mm-hmm. And during their test drive, which lasted uh, two hours, 26 minutes and 30 seconds, they had as a team of five, 
including three founders, 3,209 dials, 116 conversations, and they set seven meetings. Wow. And uh, so, by the way, speaking of Austin, Tony Safoyan and the group at SADA, you must know those guys, right? SADA is Google, Google Cloud's number one partner. I do, yeah. In Austin. Yep. yeah. So, so Tony had me on his podcast, Cloud and Clear, and he and Billy Franz, his VP of Inside Sales, and I were talking. I said, Tony, didn't you guys make some money on your connect and sell test drive? And he laughed and he said, yeah. And Billy says, yeah, we made tens of millions of dollars that day. Whoa. From just pipeline built that ultimately closed. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. The business model is a little complicated to me. So right. I've had to do a set creating pipeline for Google, but it was what well, that was a revelation to me. It's like, oh, tens of millions. Okay, I guess I, yeah. How's that for a, for a, for a proof of concept? Right, is is generating tens of millions in new revenue in a in a you know that short of a window? Yeah, yeah, it's a lottery ticket. You don't know what's going to happen. Like this mm -hmm. particular company today, there are seven meetings. Given their business, I think they're going to do pretty well. I think that was about you know maybe. 30 or 40% of all the meetings they'd set normally in a year and happened in two hours and a half. Wow. So they'll, you know, they'll do pretty well. Sometimes people set no meetings in their test drive and that's fine too. Yeah. They just have a ton of conversations and that's all right. What, uh, in your observation, kind of going back to how reps specifically can improve their, their call acumen, whether that's a cold call or a follow-up to an executive they may have had a, an interaction with at some point in the past, uh, some point in the past, excuse me. What in your observation is, is some of the pitfalls that you see reps falling into, or, or what are some of the, the mistakes you see reps making on the front lines all the time uh, as you're working with and, and coaching some of these reps? Yeah, well, number one is that they are encouraged to make a hideous mistake, which is to mention what their company does and oh, yeah. that that kills curiosity right there to say in fact i'll give you an example i'll give you our yeah. our uh, breakthrough script that we use at connect and sell for ourselves right so our breakthrough script goes like this it's like it starts the way i had it before right well i know i'm an interruption can i have 27 seconds to tell you why i call and that the first part's hard flat cold throw myself under the bus the second part is playful curious come along with me i'll solve your problem your problem is me, and in 27 seconds, I'm gone, and your self-image is intact. Good deal, right? Yeah. So you're going to say, sure, go ahead, right? Why not say yes to that? It's going to, like, why fight me for 24 seconds over 27 seconds? So mm -hmm. then I'm going to I'm going to say, you know, Jesse, I believe we've discovered a breakthrough that completely eliminates the waste and the frustration that keeps your best sales reps from being effective on the phone or even using the phone at all. And the reason I reached out to you today is to get 15 minutes on your calendar to share this breakthrough with you. Do you happen to have your calendar available? Now that's the whole script and wow. delivered precisely, precisely like that with that tone, great things happen. Notice what wasn't in there. I didn't say this, here's how I could blow it. I believe we've discovered a breakthrough dialing technology that completely eliminates, boom, dead shot in the head. Yep. Why? Because as, as soon as I say that, they're going to say, wait, I got another way out of this conversation. And as soon as there's a pause, they're going to go, you know what, Chris, thanks. I uh, really appreciate the call. You know, we're set. And now I'm doomed because the we're yeah. set objection is the one unanswerable objection. And marketing people will, who craft your message will accidentally, unintentionally, with all the best in, you know best intentions, lure you into a trap you can't get out of. So as a sales rep, you have to know marketing language kills cold calls. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 100%. It, it does. It makes it, it just, it, prospects can tell. It feels like a cheesy sales pitch. It's no longer a, and there's no curiosity because like you said, it kind of lets the cat yeah. out of the bag and that elusiveness is gone. And yeah, you killed it. Oh, that's so uh, the number one thing that, that I see reps do. Well, number one is they won't throw themselves under the bus. They just won't. They're uncomfortable being a bad thing, whereas in fact, they are a bad thing. If I cold call you, I am a bad thing. 
I just have to own up to it and then move on. <laughs> like there has to be a reason I did it, right? right? So that's number one. Number two is maybe this is the number zero. They don't really believe in the value of the meeting independently of the deal. So they're doing it for false reasons. They're calling in order to get you to do something that's good for them. So failure to believe in the potential value of the meeting, not the product, but the meeting as a learning experience for this human being, even if you never do business together, failing to get that belief deeply in you puts you on shaky ground when you're calling, when you're selling in general, because you have to sell the meeting first. Now, so number you know, two or three or whatever is selling the product, not the meeting. You can't sell two things at once. You just can't. I was a fuller brush man. I would knock on the door in Phoenix. Imagine selling fuller brush in Phoenix, right? And not yeah. knowing anything about sales. I've just graduated from ASU. My wife's had a miscarriage. I got to pay the medical bills. I get a job the next day selling fuller brush. I don't know anything about doing this. So I could have knocked on the door and said, hey, um, uh, whoever you are, I don't even know your name. Uh, you know, I've got this really cool spider spray here, blah, blah, blah. Like, really? Boom, door slammed <laughs> on my face, right? Or I could do what I did, knock on the door. Nice lady answers the door. I say, hi, I'm Chris Beal. I'm your new Fuller Brush fan. I don't know what Fuller Brush is. No, I, I, I'm sorry, I blew it. I had a practice back then. I'm Chris Beal. I'm your new Fuller Brush fan. You, prob you probably don't know what Fuller Brush is. I sure don't. And then I just stand there. And eventually with their air conditioning pouring out into the street in a 115 degree day, they'd say, how can I help you? Yeah. Now that's, a, that's pretty easy, right? How can I help you? And I'd say, you know, here's the thing is my understanding, and it may even be just a rumor is we have some products that you can't buy in stores that are really good around the house. I don't know if this is true or not, but if I find one or two that I really think could make a difference in your life, can I come and share them with you for five minutes? Everybody said yes, right? Because I was letting them off the hook. They got to close the door. Yeah. I, I offered a solution to the problem they had, which was me. And I went away. And then I fulfilled my promise. This is true in every cold call. You must fulfill your promise. My yeah. promise was I'd go do research for them. So I, I went and did research. And then I came back with products that I sincerely believed According to my research, working with real human beings over the weekend, I got a bunch of samples and did stuff that this had a potential to change their life. And by the way, spider spray for black widows in Arizona, it does have a potential to change your life. <laughs> I'll have to check that out. Very interesting. And it's funny, a few years ago, I made this shift too, where first I was selling the meat, you know, I started first selling the meeting instead of trying to just vomit the product value pitch out there in the point however many seconds that you have before someone clicks hangs hangs up the phone and it does it does make a huge impact so you're dead on i, I absolutely agree it absolutely resonates as a seller that you can't try to do too much on a cold call you've got to just get them curious enough and then like you said solve the pro the first problem, which is, is you as this, as the cold caller and, you know, get into the air conditioned house and then work on the next step. Not, uh, you know, not try to do too much right there on the porch. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I used to, as I mentioned before we got on the air, I grew up in horse country. Maybe it was on the air. I grew up in horse country. And so as a seven-year-old, I had to learn to bridle a horse by myself. Now, horses are big. They're just like a prospect. Yeah. Prospect's always bigger than you are, faster than you are, and they can kick harder than you would like them to do it, right? Right. And so it's not great to try to deal with a big animal. How do you do it? And my sister, Wendy, taught me this. She said, just put a small piece of carrot in each hand and take the bridle and put it behind you, hook mm -hmm. it to your belt. And then hold your hands about two and a half, three feet apart. Fists closed, right? So they can't, you know, poor, poor horse has to make a choice. And the horse will be afraid of you at first. They put their ears back and they tilt their head up, by the way, because horses' eyes work in an interesting way. They can see detail through the bottom of their pupils. So they put their head back so they can see you in sharp detail because you're a bad thing. Same right. game. 
So then you, you approach, you wait, they calm down, their ears come forward, and then curiosity takes over and they choose a hand. Whichever hand they choose, you turn it over, they eat the carrot, you reach behind yourself, you grab the bridle, you take it up very slowly, you stroke the horse's face. While they're eating the carrot, they get used to that and you loop, uh, loop of the bridle over their ear. Right? And then you work your way to the hard part of getting the bit in their mouth. It, this is, to me, identical to a cold call. All we're trying to do is to get them to come toward us out of curiosity rather than chasing them around. And reps love, they don't love it. They're irresistibly drawn to chase the prospect around. Sure. And you can't catch them. You can't yeah. catch them. I wonder why that is. Why, why is the default... Is it just human psychology or are we all being trained in some weird uh, backwards way that we should be chasing instead of luring or, or drawing the curiosity out? What do you think? I think it's a lack of training and a lack, lack of, of not just training, but a lack of un understanding. What is the situation you're in and why is it so good for you? Mm -hmm. You know, reps are taught, be tough, be tough. Yeah. And that's kind of like, be tough, be macho, get up, put in the effort, bang, 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 bang. It's like, how do you calm down and let somebody come to you if you're so busy, you know, doing that one more this and that, you know, that's like doing push-ups or something. And there's actually no upside in that. I, I call it the, mm -hmm. there's the tough part. And then reps are also rewarded in a funny way. They're rewarded for results, for stuff that's right in front of them. So they're tempted to go right at it. I call it the dog, the bone, and the chain link fence problem. So if you ever had a dog that, um, and I, we had 16 of them at one point. So I, wow. I got like dogs, I understand a little bit, right? So yeah. we had a dog that if you put a bone or a piece of meat on the other side of the chain link fence, the dog would try to push its nose through one of those diamonds in the fence mm -hmm. to get to the meat. And the, and the gate's five feet to the right. And it's open. <laughs> but the dog doesn't get it. No, it's just, it's going straight at it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what salespeople do and their nose gets bloody and then they're told, you know, be tough, be tough, be tough. Mm -hmm. There's like a macho thing in sales about being tough and being strong and being, you know, persistent and all that. So, I mean, at Connect and Sell, we think that's all a little comical because when you think about it, it's not toughness, it's really persistence. And if you have to dial manually, I'm sorry, you know, I'll do something about it if I can, but you can still do it. You just have to kind of ignore it because that's not sales. You're just going, okay, okay, this is not my sales activity. But when the conversation happens, I've got to be ready yeah. to be precise. I have to be precise in taking this person on an emotional journey from their fear to trust in seven seconds. I've got to be precise and taking them from trust to curiosity in the next 17 seconds. I have to be precise in handling the natural objections. I'm busy, this, that, the other thing. I have to be a little bit insistent because I truly believe in the value. And I've right. got to turn that, that curiosity, after I get trust, I gotta turn that curiosity, which by the way, when I said, I believe we've discovered a breakthrough, I believe makes them listen. We mm -hmm. is ambiguous and we is ambiguous about people and people love to be curious about people. That's why yeah. there's a magazine called People Magazine. Right. That's why, you know, people are going right now, where's Prince Harry? Is he talking to the queen? <laughs> is, there, is there anybody in the United States of America whose life is actually affected by whether Prince Harry talks to the queen or not? I can't imagine. I mean, journalists maybe who, who have to write about it, but that's about it. <laughs> It's about it, right? But there's yeah. a big audience of like, where's Prince Harry? Did he go there to talk to the queen? And who has COVID anyway? And blah, blah, blah. Wow. So, yeah. you know, people are intensely curious about people. So I believe we, ooh, ambiguity, have discovered this, this keeps you away from what I call the third grade playground. Mm -hmm. If you say, um, if you say this instead, it's like, uh, hey, Justin, Chris Beale, I'm with Connect and Sell. We've helped companies alike, and then I name some of them, right? Now, what I'm saying is, we're great. Therefore, I'm great. And what's going to happen inside you? You're going to say, no, you're not. 
right? And we're in the third grade playground. My daddy is stronger than your daddy. No, he's not. Yes, he is. No, he's not. Yes, he is. No, he's not. And then we end up in the dirt and we get valley fever and stuff like that. And it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, these are the techniques and they're really specific. And this is what we teach in flight school. We teach this stuff word by word, tone by tone, psychological, emotional state by state, second by second, because this is truly, this is like martial arts. You can say, oh, that person looked like they executed this move, like, or in fencing or something, right? You can try to pretend to be a fencer. My fiance used to be a fencer at MIT and the MIT fencing team. I guarantee you there's a difference between looking like a fencer and fencing, right? Yeah, I mean, they just yeah. are not the same thing. You don't want to look like a salesperson. You need to have the precision down for this highly athletic activity called the cold call, which opens up everything in sales. Everything in sales is different once you get trust including email. I send you an email right after a conversation. You're going to open it. Hey, thanks for the conversation, Jesse. What are you going to do? Ignore that email? <laughs> yeah, we just talked. No, exactly. Um, very cool. This is, uh, I feel like I should be paying you, Chris, because this. I feel like I'm undergoing some sales training here. So this is fantastic for for my audience, who you know, again, is is a lot of a lot of reps who are relatively new to the industry. I'm curious, and I haven't really been posed this question directly myself. This goes quite against my beliefs about how to sell. But have you encountered people out there that say, well, cold calling is a lost art. It's not the, the fastest way to get a deal done anymore. I can't imagine there's too many people out there that are, that are you know, playing this trumpet. But do you guys ever run into that in, in, in your day-to-day? -day? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, out on LinkedIn, cold calling is dead was incredibly popular for a while. Yeah. Uh, I had a, a really fun little post I put out once. It was for a funny reason. I won't tell the whole story here, but it was frankly, to try to get Mike Weinberg to pay attention because uh, he uses, you know, he's the author of New Sales Simplified, one of the greatest mm -hmm. sales books of all time. And he uses the phrase, the cold calling is dead crowd rather, rather derisively. And so I couldn't get a hold of him one way or another, couldn't get him to take a meeting. So I posted this little thing that just was the results of a test drive. That was it just raw, it was on my screen, I screenshot it, boom, threw it up in a LinkedIn post and said, if cold calling is dead, who got these results last Thursday? Did zombies call the CIO of Carnival Cruise Lines? That was kind of it. Oh no, oh no, busy executives don't answer the phone. I must have been dreaming. That was it, it's called the zombies post. And I think we made about, we made about $1.7 million off that post. It went viral, people going crazy. I wrote stuff all day. And what was funny is some people came on and accused me of like, so do you run a sweatshop? Do you oh, eat wow. babies? You know, what, what, evil, what evil things do you do other than this? This is the worst, but maybe you do some that aren't not quite as bad, you know, but are pretty bad, right? There's something about cold calling Maybe it's the name that it's cold. It sounds cold hearted. All it means is an unscheduled first conversation. That's literally all it means. Right. But it's cold. But I people, guess, yeah, people say it all the time. And, and I'd, I'd be curious to what you say to, to people that say, well, hold on, we sell to, I mean, you've already shared some, some hard and fast examples just on, on this podcast, but I'm sure you encounter a lot of people that say, well, our buying demographic is the CIO or the CEO or the CMO. They don't take cold calls. Every phone conversation or Zoom meeting that, that takes place with, with uh, you know, professionals like that has to be highly personalized. And we believe in prep and something like connect and sell couldn't work because it, it puts the rep right on the fly on the phone with this person. How are they supposed to, to, you know, present something of value if they are, you know, there's no prep or anything like that in advance? How do you respond to an objection like that? I'm sure you get it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the fact is the question number one is do senior executives answer the phone? The answer is yes, they do. Not mm -hmm. all of them, but a lot of them. Uh, our own team, I have, I can share it today. Let me just take a little look, see how we did today. Okay. So here's the connect and sell team. I know we're not on video, but I'll, I'll read it off. We'll just look at sure. the leaderboard. 
for today, leaderboard, connect and sell team. How did we do? Uh, let's see, our name starts with a C. You know, I'm in, I used to be able to write and read and then I went into sales. Um, <laughs> connect and sell, there we go. There we go, I gotta put the glasses on. Okay, so here's our team today. Now here's who we're calling. Vice presidents of sales, CROs, and occasional uh, VP of marketing. But it's all vice president level and companies of all sizes. So our stats today for the team are where the team is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven people today. So we have a very small team because hey, we have connected so, right? Yeah. I have a big team when you can have a small one. Uh, so they had uh, done for them by Connect and Sell uh, some dials. They had 270 conversations. They wow. set 27 meetings. So 27 meetings, that's pretty bizarre. Absolute 10% on the nose conversion rate, conversation and meeting. Huh, it took 34.69. Yeah, 34.69, yeah they're, they're pretty good. It took, yeah. They're coached, by the way, professionally. Every day they're coached professionally. And that, that doesn't mean management. Management doesn't coach our team. A coach coaches our team. Just wow. like in the NFL. Sure. So dial per conversation, 34.69. So not a great dial per meeting today. That's 346.89 dials per meeting. I like that number to be below 300. But I'll take mm -hmm. the 27 meetings. Say those meetings are worth for us probably, let me rough cut, four grand each. Right? So the team roughly created about $120,000 in meetings today. Hmm. And that's, you know, whatever that was, 11 people. But if I look at any one of them, this is what's interesting. So Crystal, here's Crystal Lechner. She used Connect and Sell for five hours, 12 minutes and 24 seconds, calling vice presidents only sure. of sales. She had 42 conversations, 42 conversations, three meetings, set 23 follow-ups. And when she pushed the button, she had to wait for an average of four minutes and 54 seconds. Why? It's the last day of the second quarter. So right. instead of waiting four minutes on average, she had to wait a little longer because she's calling VPs of sales, right? Yeah. Here's what she didn't do. She, she did not dial the phone 1,210 times. That's how many dials it took for her. Huh. That's how many days of dialing is that? At, what is it, uh, Trish Bertuzzi and the Bridge Group say 40, 42 dials a day? Yeah. So that's that is 30 days of dialing. Yes, yeah, so that's 30 days of dialing, right? Done in five hours and 12 minutes with no effort. It, you'd get some severe carpal so, tunnel if you tried to do that many dials in one day. <laughs> just hard, hard dialing. No, I mean, it's just not possible. There's just not enough, uh, you know, no one could, yeah, no one could make that many dials, hard dials a, a day. That's absolutely astounding. Yeah. What, uh, oh, by the way, I got to give you Cheryl's numbers. Cheryl, Cheryl runs our flight school division. I got to mm -hmm. give you her numbers because she does she does a different play. She does sure. the insistence play. Like you're you're putting gas in your car. She had one the other day where the CEOs putting gas in his car. She only calls the CEOs and CFOs. And he uh -huh. says, Cheryl, I'm putting gas in my car and it's raining. And she says, fantastic. I'm a morning person. I'll shoot you something for Thursday. We'll move it around if we have to. He goes, oh, great. Right now he's accepted wow. a meeting. Now you could say, oh, she should have qualified him. Trust me, the CEO of this company, so Fortune 2000 companies, pretty qualified to talk to, mm -hmm. right? CEOs mm -hmm. of Fortune 2000 companies, by definition, they're qualified to have a 15-minute conversation with somebody, <laughs> right? Right. So the question is, though, well, is he going to show? And her point is, who cares? This is somebody who answers their phone. So if they yeah. don't show, put them in the no-show list push the button, use connect and sell and talk to him That's again right. and say, you know, Henry. Yeah. And there's, and it's actually just talk to him again. You don't even have to try because the system yeah. does the trying for you. So she set six meetings today, by the way, on 11 conversations, 54.5% conversion. Wow. And she did that in an hour and 12 minutes, 4.94 meetings per hour. Man. So here's a question from the sales ops people that might listen to the show or the, the sales leadership that, that listens to the show. Where does the data come from that you feed into the system? Do you guys provide that or do you tend to just integrate with something like a, a Zoom Info or Discover Org or both? I guess those are the same company now. 
what do you suggest there just to make sure that there's enough data to, to feed into the system to make the, that volume of dials on a given day? Yeah, there's two things to consider. So first, we love Zoom Info. We're partners Zoom Info. We, we think they're tremendous. And uh, they have as current a set of good phone numbers as we've seen from anybody. There are some other good providers. Cognizant is good. You know, um, there's others that are good providers out there. But Zoom Info does a great job. And we, um, we actually will go up, uh, go ahead if somebody wants, and either uh, we will enhance a list or we'll generate a new list for just a test drive okay. because zoom info lets us do that so that's very kind um yeah so we like those guys we suck data directly out of crm systems if that's what makes sense that often does so we hook right up to the salesforce or microsoft dynamics hubspot whatever it happens to be and it's all pre-integrated there's no code it just plugs right in and gives twirl a couple of little you know kind of like this field maps to this field dials and or uh, you know you're twirling dials you're setting settings to to get it to be configured and then it's all magic at sure. that point you know the, what's that, whatever's in those lists gets synchronized into connect and sell so we don't provide the data but we do data consulting and we will if you have a zoom info account we'll build lists for you for free we're Very big cool. big believers in centralized centralized list management we I get that a lot of people think territories make sense at the top of the funnel. We don't get it. And every technology advance in history, before you get speed, you want liquidity. You want to have something that's more liquid that moves around more easily. So our people work off lead pools and we, we highly recommend it because there's no, let's face it, giving somebody a territory at the top of the funnel has got some weird implications. Like they're going to be there forever. True. That's a and, weird implication. And then just you know distributing your customer base because because then you might have it might skew towards one coast, right? Or you know you have one rep who's having higher repetitions and more success or more at bats, if you will, because they happen to have the the San Francisco region or the the New York region. Is that a, you know a fair assumption? Right. Okay. So yeah, rather than do exactly. that, it's a, exactly. a lead pool that's more distributed and gives, uh, you know, more distribution across the whole team. Exactly. So our lead pools are dynamically managed when you plug into a lead pool and you say, okay. I want a session out of that lead pool, then you get a randomized subset of the lead pool. No cherry picking allowed. We're not right. really for our own team. And we recommend this. We're not really interested in turning over the company's go-to-market strategy to sales reps and That's the strategy point. is expressed in, in the list in the targeting oh. so why would you just say hey you know you're 24 years old why don't you go come up with the company's go-to-market strategy by doing some research like what <laughs> it's hard enough cold calling people yeah what uh what do you so for if there were a startup that didn't have say access to zoom info or one of those data tools is there anything you can do for those early stage startups that may not have all of the, the fancy, expensive lead databases? What do you suggest there typically? Well, you could go to uh, get sale, uh, LinkedIn Sales Navigator and combine Ooh. it with Lead IQ, and you can do really well there. So that's a little more manual, but uh, it's also very precise because you yeah. get the query precision of Sales Navigator. And then you get the ability to turn that small subset that you're coming up with of 100, 200, 300. Oh, by the way, I should have corrected this misapprehension, which is always there, it's perfectly natural. You don't need a ton of leads to use Connect and Sell. My chairman, Sean McLaren, who by the way, has done well in life, shall we say, yeah. <laughs> just, just saying, uh, he still uses Connect and Sell. Let me see when, how his stats are here. Yeah, there he is. Uh, he was calling on a list of 14 people today, had two conversations and two meetings. <laughs> that Okay, so, so that that is, it's an assumption I made was that you have to have a massive two, three, four, five thousand, ten thousand 10,000 list uh, when it sounds like this could be just as effective if you're focused in on 10 people or 14 people in this case. Yeah, absolutely. The idea is as a sales rep, as any professional, 
your mm -hmm. time is the thing you can't get any more of. You're stuck, right? So we're, we're not really going fast in one sense. All we're doing is compressing time. So something like, say, a list of 42, that would be all day, according to the bridge group. Well, 42 right. with connect and sell, let me look at the numbers here today. Three hours, 41 minutes and 48 seconds accomplished 865 dials. Wow. So, you know, think 200 dials an hour roughly in this particular case. So 42 would be 15 minutes, during which, by the way, you can do other work like Cheryl Turner's other work is pushing your kid in the swings, but you sure. could be doing something else because you're just waiting for a bloop in your ear. I think probably the most powerful aspect of it too, and this is what I found just doing hard cold calls throughout different points of my career is there's power and consistency and not to use too much of the, the athletic analogy, but you know, at top athletes, I think the it's been pretty well established that what makes a top athlete successful is how consistent they are uh, in their training, in their diet, in their, you know, exercise regimen and their practice, all of that. And I think it's the same for, for sales reps. Uh, again, I know it's, it's an overdone analogy to compare sales reps to elite athletes, but I'll, I'll keep going. And what I've found is I've been the most consistent in my career at hitting my, you know, target earnings and, and quotas and things like that when I'm, when I'm consistent at, at the output. And what I love about the product is that it, you know, it takes away that, the, 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 the kind of alligator brain that says, oh, I have to go make 30 calls today. I know I don't have the energy. I don't feel good today. It sounds like, you know, your team or, you know, your customers are just pushing a button. They don't, they don't have to have that internal debate of, oh, I've got a splitting headache and, and I know I'm supposed to be doing my 30 calls. I have it blocked in my calendar. I know that's what's going to take to be successful and, and achieve my targets, but man, I've got, you know, I've got a headache, my stomach ache, whatever it is. I got, I got a doctor's appointment, something that sort of disrupts the normal pattern. And it sounds like you guys remove that problem completely by just saying, look, push the button, still go to your doctor's appointment, but just while you're in the car driving there, you're going to probably hit your daily target of cold calls. Uh, I love that. Cause I do think that that's where the, the compounding takes place is in the consistency. Uh, and that's the hardest thing to, to overcome as a human uh, is how to be consistent at something like cold calling and really stick to it. It's just like dieting, it's just like exercise or anything else. It's really hard to stick to something like that every single day. And I struggle with that a lot because we don't have connect and sell implemented. And it is a, I need to make X number of dials per day when to find time to do that, especially when things are fluid. Uh, you know, you get pulled into meetings, there's fires to put out, there's follow-ups to take on, there's internal nonsense. So I, I think it's really fantastic that, you know, your reps and of course your customers reps can, can push a button and eliminate that sort of human error and everything too. Yeah. I mean, it'll, it's really interesting because the psychology flips completely. My, my fiance came down with me to Austin, speaking of Austin, yeah, to, she's uh she runs a, a, a bit of business for a big company about a billion dollars of business actually. Wow. And she had a little bit of time when she was free to come down with, with me to witness a test drive with Google Cloud. And I asked her at the end of the test drive, I said, well, what do you think? You know, it's 26 reps. They said 46 meetings in two hours and 18 minutes. What'd you think? And she said, I don't know anything about the top of the funnel. We don't, you know, I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, a strategic, strategic accounts, right? I mean, right. you know, a quarter of a billion dollars each. Yeah, not a lot of pushing the button in that one, right? Sure, Although sure. She's, she is, she's opened her mind to some possibilities. And, uh, but she said, you know, what was weird is that thing that you guys do, that connection cell thing, it caused a complete cultural transformation of a team in 30 minutes with no consulting. Wow. They were excited. They were having fun. And it's, that's exactly what happens is this cold calling isn't unfun. It's actually super fun. It's cold dialing. That's unfun. Right. Right. Yeah. That's the part that talking that, to, it, yeah. Talking to people's fun, right? I mean, if you're in sales and you don't like to talk to people, you got kind of a serious <laughs> issue. It's like a, you're like a surgeon who faints at the sight of blood. It's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> you, it's, it's fun to talk to people. It's really fun if you get the psychology right and you're practiced. And you made this point. There's, 
you got to have the repetitions. You've got to be coached. You got to be practiced. You know, when I was a, a, a young rock climber growing up in Arizona, we were kind of self-taught, which is pretty dangerous for that sport when you think about it, right? And we yeah. took up coaching each other and right? going out to Carefree, out to the Carefree rock pile oh, and yeah. watching each other. Yeah, we'd watch each other boulder and give each other tips. You know, it's like, try this, try this. There's some weird things you can do physically rock climbing. And then there was also the question, well, you know, kind of like, how's your mind working? What's safe to do based on your mental state? All that, you know, it's good practice for business, actually. Sure. But what's in anything without the repetitions, I mean, there's an old Russian proverb, right? I learned it from, I learned it from my <laughs> Russian teacher in high school in Arizona. You know, we all studied wow. Russian back then. Oh, yeah. And uh, that it means, means repetition is the mother of learning. And it's true. Repetition is the mother of learning, but highly precisely coached repetition is the mother of mastery. And that's, mm. that's what I, you know, this game gets super fun. I look at, here's a guy who works for us, Rob Arnold. Since the 1st of June, Rob has had 991 conversations and set 74 meetings. Now, is that fun? Wow. That sounds fun to me. You bet. Yeah. You bet, right? No, here's what he didn't do. Here's how many dials he would have had to do by hand without connecting cell. 27,979 dials this month. Man. It's, un it's unimaginable, right? You would never yeah. imagine it. So he doesn't, he doesn't have the frustration and the waste. He just has the opportunity to be an amazing professional SDR, BDR, whatever you want to call him. And he is. And so is Steve Cooperman. So is Terry Spencer. So these people do this for a living and they love it. And yet I can come down deeper to mm -hmm. folks who dialed, you know, had a little less. Here's Sean McLaren. He's our executive chairman. He only had 323 dials, 31 conversations and four meetings. But Sean's meetings are worth about 20 times the rest of ours. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, Here's a guy who's, uh, who's, I'm not a young guy, I'm almost 67. He's, he's a little more mature than I am. Uh, here's another guy, he's a famous, famous sales guy named John Jackson. And uh, John Jackson is the inventor of what I call the blue ocean strategy of sales. So that means don't ever compete a deal. Talk to people way before they're ready to buy. Don't wait for the intent data to tell you. Let the conversations tell you the truth. So here's John. John was a little sick this month, actually. Um, he's even more mature than Sean, if that's possible. So in nine <laughs> hours, 41 minutes, here's a guy who's in his, I'll, I'll, I'll say it, he's in his late 70s. And how many SDRs do you know? Young SDRs had a thousand legitimate dials in the month of June at 74 conversations and set 19 meetings. Very few. I mean, I, I can't imagine, especially this time of year, uh, you know, everyone's heads on summer breaks and travel. And I highly doubt that's common without some enhancement for sure. Yeah. My little team, by the way, had 6,259 conversations with VPs of sales. Man. They set 507, 570 meetings. And this oh. team would fit in a thimble in, in Silicon Valley. They would fit in a thimble. <laughs> no, I'd be told you're an idiot. This team's so small. You must not be a real CEO. Can't you hire people? Yeah. Yeah. You guys could, could, could rent a closet out in, uh, <laughs> in Google's offices or something. <laughs> Google's campus. Wow. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Chris, I know we're, we're coming up here on time. Any, you know, final words of wisdom you care to share with uh, the audience? And then I'd, I'd also love to learn how, how folks can get in touch with you. Please feel free to share how, how we can best get in touch, uh, especially for anyone who's listening that has an interest in learning more about Connect and Sell. Sure, I'll do the last in order. So uh, sure. check out my podcast. Corey Frank and I have a podcast called Market Dominance Guys. It's like the car guys, all one word, marketdominanceguys.com. Awesome. There is 80 something episodes. It's a cookbook on market dominance using a conversation first approach. Okay. And basically, the, the, you know, check it out. The thesis is pave the market with trust, harvest the trust over the next three or four years. 
it's a different way of going about stuff. You can reach me at chris.beal at connectandsell.com. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm easy to find. I'm the only CEO of Connect and Sell who's out there. Um, I don't know. We'll keep, we'll keep adding to that. So that's all yeah. easy. Um, you know, the final, the final thoughts are this. I've got a guy working with me who he actually runs our flight schools now. His name is Donnie Crawford. Donnie Crawford had an attitude. He's the nicest human being you've ever met, by the way. He's frighteningly nice. You would think he's not in sales. <laughs> he's just like, really? Really, Donnie? Are you always going to be this nice? And he just laughs. and goes, yeah, it's a problem. I'm just like that. Ha, ha, ha. And, uh, but Donnie used to go in and interview for sales jobs. And then he would say, when they get done, they'd offer him the job. He says, oh, by the way, I have one condition of employment. And they're thinking it's going to be salary or something. What's that? He says, I won't work for you unless you give me connect and sell. I don't care what the rest of the team has. <laughs> you wow. get this sort of shocked look, right? So my point is, look, you're a salesperson if you're listening to this. You, if your job's selling meetings, and all of us, our job is selling meetings. That's actually our number one job. The yep. most interesting thing we do, the most valuable thing we do in our entire career. I've been doing this for 42 years, and I can tell you, selling a meeting is the single most valuable thing you do. You turn if into when, and that's all of sales is turn if into when. See if you can figure out how to take one of our test drives and just experience it. Come to me because you've, you've got to find out what is it like not to be in that cage where you can't talk to people because that's yeah. not sales. Sales starts with the conversation. Learn to master the conversation, whether you get a hold of our stuff or not. If you work for a startup of some kind and they go, oh, I don't have enough money for this. Well, the, our test drive is actually priced pretty well for startups, free, and I don't care if it converts. I wow. just care that people have the experience. 